Welcome to Scent 315. We're here to encourage and equip Christians to engage in the adventure of sharing Jesus with those that God puts into their life. And we're so glad you're here. Hey, Sarah, Matthew, we are here. We are back. And this is really kind of a breakthrough episode for us. <laughs> Right? Yeah, a little the, bit. We have a thing that we call a youth venture, kind of where we're secretly recording out of, and we call them OGs. So these are original gangsters, our original people who started with us so many from the very, very beginning. This is still kind of the beginning. This is our first question and answer episode. All sorts of disclaimers on this show, more <laughs> disclaimers than any show. You have not tuned in to the Bible Answer Man. I'm not him. <laughs> Sarah may be closer to him, I'm not sure. Maybe Matt is, but the whole idea with us, right, is we're a group of people, real live people, doing the very best we can at sharing Jesus with others, and none of us have all the answers, so we're hoping that the question and answers will stimulate dialogue. Like, we may say something, and they'll go, Sarah, what? <laughs> and then people will be- in going to happen today. <laughs> Might happen. Of all the episodes. So this is gonna be very, very cool. If you've just tuned in, pray for us. We've already recorded it, but I, so I don't know how that works. But we are, I think it works. It yeah. doesn't? Okay. I think prayers work through time. And that might be one of the things that people go, Sarah, what? <laughs> well, before we get into this, which I'm super happy to be doing this episode, but we wanted to read a review that we got on Apple. Whoa. I don't know who it's from because it is letters and numbers, but thank you to this person who said this. Um, they gave us five stars. They said, best way to start the week. Look forward to Monday mornings with this podcast. It sets the tone for my week, and I cannot recommend this podcast enough. Very grateful that this podcast exists. And we are grateful for you listening. Yeah. And thank you for writing us that. It's and so we'd cool. love to hear from more of you. Absolutely. On Apple or I don't, Spotify is weird. We haven't figured out how to do reviews but if you're on apple or you can just drop it on our facebook page yeah. or instagram kevin you wanted to share something really cool that happened at our church yeah a couple weeks ago now you can find this under the blog posts on sent315.org and so it's all written out but i just wanted to tell a piece of it one of my greatest accomplishments in life and great joys is that i'm the towel boy at baptism. Now, the reason that makes me so thrilled is because I love baptism. It is a step in front of everybody. At one point, we had the number two viral baptism on YouTube. The first one was a kid who ran across the stage and did a cannonball into the baptism. So I don't think we're ever going to pass that one up because I frown on that one. But Frown on it? That's awesome. Well, it's awesome. At another church, don't get my senior pastor soaking wet because they'll come find me. But the deal is, is I got to teach the baptism class and just talk to people about what's going on and what this is all about and what it's not. All the people that had gone through the class um, were done being baptized and the hospitality director, Gabby, shout out, came up to me and said, there's a woman in the lobby, she was crying and she really feels like she's supposed to get baptized, can she? I run over to Pastor Dave and say, Pastor Dave, we've got one more, is that okay? You know, they're taking the railing down and they're walking off the stage and worship is going on during this whole thing. Pastor Dave said, absolutely. So this beautiful woman just gets in fully clothed and gets baptized and tears are rolling down her face. And Pastor Dave says, and this is for 
for only the second time in the history of the church, decades of church. He said, you know, I think the Lord is saying, if you are being compelled to get baptized, come on up. And then it was silent in our big sanctuary. And then people started coming up from everywhere. And there were tears of joy everywhere in the sanctuary. Everybody gets prayed for. And I think that that's the blog post is that obedience releases joy because she was obedient to what she felt the Lord was calling her to do, and joy was throughout the whole place. Man, oh man. So that's and what I want to share. inspired other people too, which I think is really yeah. awesome. She was just like focused on what the Lord and her were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And she did it, and it brought out all this fruit that she wasn't even thinking about, which is the cool thing about the kingdom, that multiplication. Yeah. Yeah, because it released joy to everybody, even the ones who just saw it, which the blog post goes on to some other areas during the week that were supernaturally exciting. Yeah, Read that. I think we're ready to jump into our first question. I'm going to read it. It's from Anonymous. I've heard it said that not sharing the gospel in a way is hating them rather than loving them. Any thoughts on this? Absolutely. In fact, I know where I heard that saying from, and it was from Penn Jillette. And if people don't know Penn Jillette, he is a very, very famous atheist. He is funny and he's a magician from Penn and Teller and all that. Somebody came up to him after a show and uh, gave him a little Bible. And Penn said, if I saw a bus bearing down on you and you were walking out into the street, I would knock you out of the way. I would try whatever I could to save your life. So as a Christian, if you believe that there is a heaven and there is a hell, how could you not share that? Now, he doesn't believe there is a heaven or a hell, but he sees the point of it. So it's so challenging to Christians, at least to me. He says this, how much do you have to hate someone not to try and save them from that? So I get it and it's motivating for me. I agree with them. So kind of a counter question off of that is, does that mean we have to be telling every single person, hey, you're going to go to hell or whatever, just every person we meet, do we have to be doing that with everybody or just the people in our lives? Like, what does that practically look like? Because I know I think of myself as someone who loves people just in general, but I'm not going around and constantly telling people about the gospel directly. So does that mean I hate them? How do you balance that? Yeah, I totally get what you're saying. And, you know, it takes me back to a friend of mine who was telling me, I just got shut down by a guy at work because I've been inviting him too many times to church. And we know that kind of person we know and this guy had a great heart and everything we play a role we play a part of a process you know we're first peter 3:15 sent 3:15 and it says to everyone who asks to give you an answer you're not going to run out of people you're not going to have a shortage of people god wants everybody to get saved so those that he has put into your life that you're the one that's supposed to play a role in you engage with that and so the short answer is i don't think you're supposed to be obnoxious (laughs) and 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 disingenuous right you're supposed to play your part so that's why you get up in the morning and you say okay lord what do you got for me 
give me courage, give me vision, I wanna. And then he's gonna be very, very uh, faithful. When I read 1 Peter 3.15 and dug into it, there's a way to translate that verse where it says to every sort of person, which is another admonition, not just people like you, but be open to any sort of person, but not every single person. That's good. Okay, the next question. When you're talking to someone and you share your faith, so you're like face-to-face with this person, you're talking to them, you share your faith, and I also know this person very well, and they would not be doing it in an obnoxious or crazy way. When you're talking to someone, you share your faith, how do you, in that moment, respond to a rude comment? So you told them maybe your testimony, you listened to their story a little bit, you shared your story and his story a little bit, and then they're like, that was so rude sarah that's as rude as sarah gets right there probably not but how do you respond in that moment well like so many of these and this is why i said there's such a big disclaimer because (laughs) i really think that there's not one answer for all of these things right there's hey this is what i think i read in the bible this is what i've experienced so number one i'd have to be in the situation and feel it and see it and see what's happened if there's a relationship with the other person or if you just felt compelled to talk to somebody at in the lunch court but i think the The tone of your heart needs to be prepared. Jesus got called a lot of names and got abused very, very badly, probably worse than any of us ever going to be. And he didn't strike back. And so I think that's it. You let it go or you ask a clarifying question, but it's the tone. It says a gentle answer turns away wrath. Don't take it personally and understand people are hurt and people speak out of their hurt. And so just try to have a little grace for them and and move on. Like you said, responding with kindness. And sometimes that's just one simple kind word. And going off of that, because you were talking about getting over it, so to speak, one of the other questions we got is how do you deal with constant rejection and sharing with others? And I kind of talked to this person because some of these we got sent into us, some of them we talked to people. And this for this person, it wasn't just like the rejection of, oh, they responded badly. Maybe they didn't respond at all. Yeah, They just were like, oh, that's true for you, girl or guy. (laughs) (laughs) So how do you deal with that rejection? Well, I'd like you to, to respond to it first and I'd like to follow up on this one. Okay. Okay, so how do you, and I'll tell you how I do. Yeah, I was thinking about it on the way over here because I feel like in certain ways I've experienced more rejection as far as when I've invested a lot into certain people, I've had more rejection. I've had these really cool like one-off moments with people as I've shared some of those stories. But for me, it goes off of what you said about not taking it personally. But I used to have this idea that if I loved people, it would get people to love me back. And I think that's something like we hear in church where it's, oh, you want friends? Like you be a good friend and then you'll get friends. And it doesn't quite always work out like that. Yet we should be good friends. We should love people. We should do that. But if our expectation is the receiving back or the desired outcome that we like, I think we have to shift our perspective. And so what the Lord helped me with is in dealing with rejection 
was realizing that the reward was knowing him and knowing more of his love and understanding his character more. And when I got a hold of that, which I continuously (laughs) working on and receiving from, but that helps me focus on him and the joy of what you talk about, which is the obedience factor. Yeah. The joy of, hey, I'm doing what you called me to do and I'm not responsible for the outcome of it. And so kind of just going back into that place, being able to pray through that and say, hey, Lord, I'm really bummed. This hurts. Like, I don't mean to skip over the hurt or the pain of the rejection. Like, you should sit in that. But also just knowing the Lord's with you in that. He was rejected, like you said, so many times. But then ultimately realizing that my perspective isn't receiving something from that person. Right. It's more about me with the Lord and the hope of having them come into relationship with God, getting to reminding myself of the true perspective, which is knowing Christ and knowing Jesus and loving him. And that's the whole reason I'm loving people. That's the whole reason I'm sharing and just dealing with that pain, processing it with him, knowing that he understands that pain, that he relates to it, and then getting back into that higher perspective that's hard to live from sometimes. I think you have answered answer that question thoroughly. I really do. I know. I think it makes sense on all those points. And so I don't have anything to add except, yeah, there is going to be disappointment. And if you are loving people, you're going to get some hurt. So the next question is, if I don't have the answer, how do I help someone with questions connect with someone who does? So I don't know who this is. Hopefully you're listening, but hopefully you have someone in your life that you ask questions to. You go to your pastor, you go to, if you have another leader in your life, if you have a mentor, you go to the person who has the answer. Another thing that I think could be a really valuable for both people involved, somebody's got questions, you don't have the answers, find the answers together. I don't have all the answers, but boy, I'd love to get those answers with you and for you. I think that's the attitude to have with that. Dig in with them. There are so many resources, and not just on our website with all those books that we've recommended, but you can just find so many answers places uh, on the internet, and digging into it together is a great way to do it. Yeah, I think that's definitely the thing to do and i know i've had some really fun times even just with my friends digging with things and and that could even be if you're at church or something you got them to come or whatever you could run over to that person that you ask questions if they're there and you guys can talk and have a cool conversation and this next question goes along with that question which is how do i have confidence in sharing when I don't know that much about the Bible and don't have a more theological background. And I could speak to that a little bit. I do have a more theological background just because I grew up in church and I always love learning things about the Bible. My parents taught me how to study the word as soon as I could read in context and all this stuff. So that is also like a gifting thing that I have and it's grown over the years, but I have the background, but I don't have all the life experiences Mm -hmm. that people do. I have a little more now that I'm a little older, but one thing I realized, and I think it speaks to this, even though this person doesn't have the theological background, is remember that the Holy Spirit, who you're connected to, God lives inside of you. You're connected to him and you have access to him. You can go read, I think, shoot, it's either the beginning of 1st or 2nd Corinthians 2 or 3. (laughs) I 
forget exactly the references. I'm not good with references. Put it in the show notes, Sarah. Okay. But God talks about how we have access to his mind and his wisdom that's beyond the wisdom of this world. Just remember in those moments, you don't have to know all the answers. Just because you have the theological background or you don't, you're looking to the Lord and to the Holy Spirit and saying, God, what do I say in this moment? And sometimes in that moment, what you're supposed to say is, that's a really great question. Yeah. I don't really know. That's something that I struggle with too. Let's look it up together or let's go talk to this person. That speaks volumes to people, just that pure honesty. And if your brain goes blank, then that's all you can say. And you can have confidence that when you are supposed to say something, the Lord's going to give it to you in that moment. Jesus said to the disciples, don't worry about what you're going to say when you're in front of all these kings and these rulers. You're going to be in front of these people. Don't pre-think about it too hard because the Holy Spirit's going to be with you in those moments. The adventure of doing it together is very, very cool. I think that people relate more to somebody who doesn't know everything. And so searching it together, we're not a Lone Ranger isolated doing this ourselves. Mm -hmm. And on our website, we have the styles, communication styles, evangelism styles quiz that can help folks find out where they fall. In fact, we've got a series coming up on that, right? Mm -hmm. But let's say you're the relational person and the other person is just intellectual and and deep study and we kind of team up, we work together. And this next question about how do you balance relational ministry and being very outspoken to those in sin? This is really uh, a part of what we teach with the the styles, how God made you. Do it the way God made you. Don't try to be anybody else. In relational ministry, one of the pitfalls, one of the things you have to look out for is that you're so, 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 so relational that you would never, 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 ever say anything that would possibly strain that relationship. It doesn't work that way. You can't value the relationship more than sometimes getting into something of substance and maybe having a little bit of a confrontation, which can be very, very positive. But then on the other side, of the teeter-totter about being very outspoken. When Peter said in the very beginning of Acts, hey guys, you killed your Messiah. Mm -hmm. That was very confrontational. It was very outspoken and it resulted in thousands of people coming to the Lord. So there is a time to be outspoken. There's a time to have maybe hard conversations about sin. Sin's real. And God really doesn't like sin. But you have to watch out for the pitfall about not speaking in love and not tearing up the relationship, you know, and and disrespecting the person that you're talking to, too. So teaming up helps and watching out for those pitfalls, finding out how God made you so that you operate in a very natural way. A question I had off of that question, kind of just what you were saying, is, is being outspoken about sin essential to sharing the gospel? And if so, what does that look like? Because it's always that, I don't know, lack of a better term, the two-edged sword where I want to love, I want to do this, but does that mean I have to call out sin every time I'm with them? You know, like I'm with them and they cuss, or I'm with them and they're talking about whatever. Do I have to confront it every time? How does that work? What does that look like? Once again, I think it is very, very situational. And there's maybe some principles to follow. One of them is to really listen to the Lord and find out what you're supposed to do in a given situation. For example, if you have no relationship with someone, and let's say somebody's cussing up a storm, there may be a time where you say, hey, that's really offensive. 
when you use Jesus's name that way, it hurts my feelings. This is somebody that I really love and care about. So, you know, I just appreciate it if you didn't do that. There's a tone to it and everything, but it is confronting a behavior for a purpose. Sorry, just to clarify a little bit, because I have questions on that before you continue. I would never probably do that because one, it doesn't necessarily offend me. Okay. But two, are you saying you would do that with someone you were randomly talking to, or is this someone you're in relationship with continuously? I just wanted to clarify that because you weren't quite clear on that. Okay. And and to clarify it, yes, on both. So you would do it with either, possibly. Yeah, possibly. I would look at the opportunity that's there, and there's sometimes that I would just overlook it. Bob Goff, he says, engage with people who will listen and love those who don't. And I, I think that's the point. We're not supposed to be the sin police. We're not, right. su- you know, that's what I and, mean. but there is, there is a time for it, absolutely. And you yeah. have to be sensitive to those and you have to be brave enough. Let's say you're the relational person. So you have to watch out that you don't step into those situations that you're absolutely supposed to, mm-hmm. not all of them. And on the other side, if you are the sin police, if you are the corrector of all things evil and bad, they're not going to hear you. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to have the impact that you want. You have to figure out what am I supposed to do in this situation? For what purpose? Is this bringing someone closer to the Lord? Is this bringing glory to Jesus? Or am I just being a, you know, the bossy aunt? Yeah. I think what you said about tone is very helpful. Just thinking about what place are you coming from? And that's hard and that's (laughs) not easy. I know kind of a metric I use because I'm very relational, but we also, in the style series, we talk about how I also found out I'm pretty analytical as well, Mm -hmm, right? which is fun being (laughs) (laughs) She's ambidextrous. But I know there's some moments where I've had, and more so with Christians than non-Christians, where they're talking about something that's obviously not right with the word and they're getting all excited and they want me to be all excited. And it's like, well, I can't be excited about that and I have to do that awkward thing. Hey, that's not gonna work out. That's not the best thing. However I say it, I'm very not very forceful or things because I'm relational, so that's awkward. But I knew in those moments that was what I was supposed to do. I usually don't bring it up again. I'll say it once and then let it go. That's just how I feel. I made the statement. I don't feel like I have to keep bringing it up. So the next question is, what does loving your adult children who do not believe, but keeping your boundaries without enabling them look like? So you have adult children. They're not believers. You want to love them. You want to stay in relationship with them. But you also realize the need for boundaries and you don't want to enable them in whatever lifestyle they're choosing. Yeah. When I see these questions, and once again, thank you guys so much Mm -hmm. for sending these in. In this sentence, it's like treating loving and having boundaries as an either or. Mm -hmm. And it's not. Boundaries are loving. I have five kids and I got 18 or 19 grandkids and I want to train them up. And at different ages, it looks differently. But you really know in your heart when you're enabling somebody. Mm. And is that loving? That's not loving. It's it. You don't want them to get hurt. You don't want them to feel bad. You want them to know that you're there for them. Well, sometimes loving is saying no. You can't run out in the freeway, Branson. That would be a bad idea. So loving and boundaries go together. And sometimes that tough love is tough on the mom or the dad mm-hmm. or the friend. 
I've had to change relationships with people over the years, not cut them off and hate them or something like that, but boundaries and loving go together. And you know in your heart, and if you don't, go talk to somebody from the outside who might not be agreeing with you on all this and then do the tough stuff because that adult child will get over the fact that you said no or whatever. They, They will. Yeah, and I can't speak to this as a parent at all, but I am an adult child. (laughs) I can say with my parents, I've always been thankful when they challenge me on things. That comes out of having a really solid relationship with them. But I do know also just in general with people I have less solid of relationship with. I'm thankful when someone is not always just like, oh, that's so wonderful, you're so great. I actually trust that person less than the person who's willing to maybe get a little awkward or I think to asking questions is helpful when it comes to someone. This question is gonna look a little differently based on whether your adult child is living with you. If they're living with you, they're not a believer, you can have way stronger boundaries. If they're off somewhere else, I think it'll look different. But there's a couple more questions we wanna hit. So I've been very excited about this question it's how do I love the sin, but hate... Oh, I'm sorry, I screwed it <laughs> That's not the first time that you've done that. See, this, okay. is, this is one of those, what, Sarah? <laughs> oh. You can do this, you can do this. Gosh, okay. How do I love the sinner, but hate the sin? My granddaughter, age 14, is saying she is transgender, and another granddaughter is gay. I just don't know how to deal with it. I hear the tone of it, and I actually know this person that sent the question in, and I love her. So I know that this isn't a hater. This isn't a person who Mm -hmm. is trying to clean up everybody's act. This is a person who loves and is saying here, I just don't know how to deal with it. Number one, I have a hard time with bumper stickers. How do I love the sinner but hate the sin? I get it. I don't know if it's generally understood exactly what that means, but there is a holy God and he hates sin. Proverbs 6, it talks about some very specific things that God hates. And the reason he hates them is because it hurts us. It's because it's not his intention for us. It undoes us. It destroys us. It is hurtful. He hates those things that are tearing us apart. When he looks at that person, he sees that person. Mm-hmm. So the woman who was married to a bunch of guys at the well, the, the prostitute, the, the people who had taken way more money than he was supposed to, he separates those two things out. That doesn't mean it's easy. So I, first of all, prayer works and mm-hmm. prayer is powerful and love is a force that compels and draws us to God. So ask questions, genuine questions for understanding, especially in in this world. Like if we were, first of all, we wouldn't be doing a podcast 50 years ago, but we wouldn't be talking about transgender and and all of the different gender issues that are going on right now. Mm -hmm. But do you really know? Do you really understand Can you dig into that and talk to the people that you really, really love and have conversation? Yeah, I've been reading this book. It's called Embodied 
by Preston Sprinkle. And it's about how do we approach people that are in the trans community, standing with biblical truth, but also standing with the love of God and seeing them. And one of the things, um, as I've been reading, that really stood out to me, he says, is when someone tells you that they're trans, they're inviting you into relationship. Because that term, the reason why there's so many different genders and things is because it's it's very subjective and it's very personal to that person. Sure. So when they say that, don't just assume what they mean. Actually ask them, like you said, ask questions because they're actually sharing something with you that is very, very deep and very personal. And that's an opportunity. And you can also phrase it, may I ask you, what does that mean to you? And listen, go back to that listening space and try to understand, but exactly what you said, seeing the person for who the person is, remembering that even though they're in this space where they're trying to figure out their identity, because this granddaughter, she's young, she's 14, she's still sorting through things. Remember and focus on the fact that she's your granddaughter. Mm. And in prayer, deal with all the other sorting things. And remember that we've each been through that too. Maybe not with that issue, but we've gone through times where we're trying to figure out who we are and trying to identify ourselves and things like that. I really see the heart in it and I and my heart goes out to this person. I've definitely said some prayers for this person, but to go back to the way it was phrased, the love the sinner. <laughs> the sinner. You got it. You I got always it. get it wrong because I'm really not a fan of this phrase because I think only Christians kind of sometimes understand what it means. And that's why it's so important that we go into seeing the person as the person, because that's really what Jesus did, like Kevin, you were just talking about, that he saw and sees us outside of our sin. He sees the way he intended us to live, the way he intended us to be created as very good. He made man and was very good. And Jesus repeatedly does that. My favorite is when he comes to the woman caught in adultery and everyone in the crowd just sees her adultery, just sees her as an adulteress and that's all they can see about her. And so they're going to stone her, which was the law. That was what they were supposed to do. And yet Jesus saw beyond her adultery. And that's why he said, hey, who condemns you? He was the only one who yeah. had the full power to condemn her. I would love to be in her head, like just the joy and the amazement that would have been because she also never saw herself probably outside right. of her adultery. Sure. And here was this man, God, coming to her and saying, hey, I don't see anyone to condemn you and neither do I. But then he tells her, go and sin no more. There you like, go. Go walk into the light. And we can't ever help someone come into the light if all we see is their darkness. So I think just focusing on the person, focusing on that relationship that you have, ask questions, be led by the Spirit, and remember that God knows exactly who they are. God knows exactly everything going on in their head, all their feelings, why they're feeling this way, all of that, and let him handle that. You're going to have to do that probably every day because it's awkward and weird and some things that people are going through is harder for us to deal with than yeah. others. Just going to that place where you let God handle that in certain ways. As you ask questions, I bet there'll be moments where they ask you what you think. And in those moments, you'll be led of the spirit because you're going to that place. You're dealing with your emotions there. 
and you'll be able to share with them what you do think, but it will have this beautiful foundation of love. So we really hope that helps. Yeah. And hope that, you know, there's some other people that are in similar situations of all of these questions that they can pipe in. That's what this is all about. And Mm -hmm. this is our first Q&A. Yes. I want to dive into that specific thing as far as with trans community, the LGBTQ Q plus community because I have a real heart for those kinds of people. I think the church in the last few decades has really struggled to do it well, but there are a lot of people that are doing it well. And I'm learning from those and hopefully we can talk more about that in the future and share it. One last question, just because I think it's important. Okay. And it's a quick one. All right. What would you say to someone who wants to accept Jesus as their savior? Okay. So you did all the things. Or someone did. (laughs) Yeah. Someone did the things, a team of people, and you're the blessed one who is in the moment where they say, I'm ready. Do you lead them in a certain prayer? Do you refer them to a pastor? What do I do? This grand moment. Okay, this has happened, and it is incredible. Being that part of the adventure, you actually see fruit of all sorts of things happening in somebody's life long before you ever got there, probably. I don't have just a standard prayer, but what's really important is I make sure the person understands. This is a free gift from God who created you, and it costs you everything. This isn't bow your head, close your eyes, raise your hand, it's all done, go on your merry way, and there's no changes, there's no fruit, there's no nothing in your life. This is you saying, I give you everything I am Mm -hmm. because you made me, you're God. That's very, very important. And just letting them know what Jesus did for them, Mm -hmm. that Jesus made this possible by his sacrifice on the cross, by dying, and that this is the beginning. This is the start of the whole thing. I tend to ask them, pray what's on your heart. Ask God what you want him to do. Let him know you know you've blown it and you're so glad that he's there and he forgives you and you accept it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes a different situation where they might repeat after you. If it's from their heart, it's legit. Once again, no formula, but those are some key things for me when I've had that great honor and yeah. opportunity to be in, involved. Yeah, so make sure they understand what the Christian walk is, what it means to receive Jesus, that they're actually at that point and they have some basics down and then pray with them. Yeah, I wouldn't pass them off unless your pastor is like right there, then maybe or another Christian pull them in real fast, but I wouldn't pass them off. That can get weird and problematic sometimes. I use a prayer just because that's what I grew up learning. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, And sometimes someone just receives in their heart without a prayer. They might already have received him because they prayed that prayer yesterday in their shower or something. Yeah. And if you're a beginner, 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 you've never done that before, getting somebody else. I've got a great friend, Elaine. Uh, She called me from Wendy's. Kevin, Barbara's ready to give her life to Jesus. Come on over to Wendy's. And I'm going, okay, that's exciting. So boom. So she calls me up like a few days later. Hey, Barbara's daughter's ready to get saved, so come on over to Wendy's. I said, Elaine, you do it. Now, I had the honor of being part of Elaine's giving her life to Jesus. It was really, really close, but it's like, no, you do it, and I bet you didn't screw it up. Yeah, (laughs) I bet you did okay. if the Holy Spirit has, if they're really at that moment where the Holy Spirit has led them, remember, he's the one that draws them to himself, so you can't screw it up. 
If yeah. God's got them, you can't screw yeah. it up. Just like God's love and forgiveness is bigger than your biggest sin, he's able to pick up your biggest screw up and take <laughs> care of it. He's that big. I think we got to go. Yes. This has been fun. It has been fun. And I'm glad I gave all the absolutely correct answers <laughs> to every question, just like you. Yes. Okay, so everybody, I can say definitively that there's so many of you that we absolutely love. Thank you so much for being with us. And remember, just like Matt Hall, you're sent. Sent.